Rangers will have a pancake breakfast fundraiser on Saturday, December 18th at 8 a.m. So we'd love for you to help support this ministry. But today I want to talk about something that I think we've probably all heard about in our life, maybe even have researched or studied or, or done some work on. But we're going to talk on, if you saw the, the title, Getting Caught Up. Does anybody have any idea what I'm talking about? We're going to be talking about the rapture. And so I hope that you have been able to follow along with what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. If you've not uh, been able to... Uh, uh, if you've not been able to be here, let me encourage you to go to our, uh, either our app or our website and you can go look at our sermons and you can catch up on the last two weeks. Some good stuff has been coming out uh, on, on end time prophecies that have been fulfilled already, ones that talking about seeing the signs coming. How many, how many of you got a chance to see the lunar eclipse uh, Friday? Uh, anybody? I didn't get up that early so, uh, uh, or, or stay up that late. Uh, but I saw a lot of pictures on Facebook of people that were able to, to, to take a look at it. But a lot of neat things are happening. And uh, God is doing some amazing things. But the main thing that you need to understand is that Jesus is coming soon. Amen? We do not know when, but we do know it will be soon. And we all have to be ready and we have to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Today we want to begin looking at some events that haven't happened yet. And these are events that we are anticipating. How many of you like Christmas? I think, I think most, if not all of us, like Christmas. Um, we've already decorated. Didn't they do a great job trying to cover up this uh, beautiful back wall back here? I think they did an excellent job uh, making it look so much better than it has in the past few weeks since we've been doing some remodeling. And they've done a great job, and there's decorations all throughout. And so uh, we've got lots of stuff planned for Christmas, but I think we all like Christmas. Christmas is just fun, is it not? Getting together with friends and family and giving gifts and receiving gifts and, and uh, going to each other's house, and we can't forget the food. I mean, come on, am I right or am I right? We, let's face it, we look forward to the food probably more than we do the presents at Christmas time, or at least I do. Uh, you know, food's always good. Uh, my wife makes some uh, cookies that are called fruitcake cookies, and most people think of fruitcake, and you think, ugh, let me tell you something, these are not your typical fruitcake, okay? These are some amazing cookies, but uh, she makes those, and so that's always good at Christmas time, and uh, we've already bought the stuff. I said, we got to make sure we get this stuff on <laughs> ahead of time because it's always gone, and, uh, but anyway, but we all like Christmas. It's, it's favorite, but you know, there's one thing that I really love, and I love the fall. You know why I love the fall? I love watching the leaves change. It's football season. I love the 60 to 70 degree weather. I mean, I love everything about fall. But I think one of the things that I like about fall probably more than anything else is because it means that Christmas is just around the corner, right? 
I mean, Christmas is getting closer because it's fall time. You know that Christmas isn't far, isn't long. The movies start coming out. The, the songs start being played. The, the decorations come to the stores. The, you know, the, the, the sales start happening. Anybody already got their shopping done or getting their shopping done? You know, I mean, it's getting close. There's an anticipation that is happening in the air right now because that is what fall represents. Fall is the season that precedes Christmas, and it is during the fall that I begin to anticipate the coming of Christmas. Looking forward to something really good can get you through some really bad times, amen? And this may be why God tells us so much and so often that what his coming uh, back will be like. The Bible says that on the day Jesus returns, all of us who know him are going to all be caught up in it. And that's the phrase that Paul uses to describe what happens to humans when Jesus returns. We get caught up. If you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Thessalonians 4. And it, it's probably a very familiar passage to many of you, if not all of you. But uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 16. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. I love verse 18. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So between now and then, we're going to go through days where it feels like things are getting tougher and tougher and days are going to get rougher. But we have this moment of hope to look forward to and we can anticipate, amen, the day that Jesus returns to get his people. And today I want to walk you through some events that I believe will happen after the rapture takes place. And we're going to take a little bit, we're going to talk a little bit about the rapture. And I will also point out the different views about the rapture that some people have. And in order to understand what the return of Christ will be like, it's helpful to understand when his return will be. And we learned a few weeks ago that no one knows the day nor the hour, but we can place the when within the time frame of the three major time periods that will take place during the last net days. Now, there are three major events that will take place after the I believe after the rapture of the church happens. And let's walk through those briefly and then we'll cover them in the next few weeks. The first one is the tribulation. The prophet Daniel first described the tribulation period way back in 600 B.C. Now, if you, if you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Daniel. And I want to read a few verses there. Daniel chapter 9, and I want to read the first verse at, uh, cha- at verse 24. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. And he says, 77s are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression 
to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy and anoint the most holy place. Now, the word translated sevens means a unit of seven years. So Daniel is saying God is going to do some transforming work in the Jewish people for a period of 70 sevens. Now look at verse 25. He says, know and understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. So it was during this time that God revealed to Daniel that 69 periods of sevens would occur between the time of the decree to rebuild Jerusalem and the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So if you take 69 and multiply it by 7, you get 483 years. So we believe that it began in 457 B.C. when Ezra returned and and began rebuilding the city. Now that would bring the 483 years to an end in A.D. 27. That was about the time that Jesus began his ministry. So let's continue. Verse 26. Everybody's still with me? Oh, good. I got at least one or two of you. All right. Here we go. Verse 26. After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end and desolations have been decreed. So, after the seven sevens and after the 62 sevens, a total of 69 sevens or 483 years, two things would happen. Number one, the Messiah would be cut off, referring to Jesus' death on the cross. We know that this has happened. You can read all throughout the, the, the four Gospels in the New Testament, and you, and you know what happened. And then also the second thing is the people of the ruler who will come would destroy Jerusalem and the temple. The people are the Roman army, and they destroyed Jerusalem in A.D. 70. So that's happened. The ruler refers to the end-time Antichrist. Now notice that Jerusalem's destruction did not come immediately after Christ's crucifixion. That means that there is a gap, an interval of time between the conclusion of the 69 sevens and the beginning 70th seven. Now, many interpreters say that the church age, which began after Jesus left earth and sent the Holy Spirit to empower his followers and and it ends, the church age ends at the rapture of the church. Now, when his followers will suddenly be taken from the, earth, from the world in the interval between the 69th and 70th seven, Daniel speaks of the Antichrist in Daniel 9, 27. And he says this, he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. So the making of a covenant between the ruler who will come 
and Israel will signal the beginning of the 70th seven, the final seven years of this age. And this is how we know the tribulation will last seven years, because Daniel told us so 2,500 years ago. When he says in the middle of the seven, we know that he means half of the seven years, which is three and a half. So the final seven years of planet Earth, as we know it, will be a time of tribulation. The second half of the tribulation is known as the Great Tribulation. And because at the three and a half year mark, the Antichrist stops people from worshiping and desecrates the temple, we will go more in details next week. We're going to talk more in details about the seven year tribulation. Now, following these seven years of tribulation, will come a new era on the earth, an era like none before, and that is called the millennium. Millennium is Latin for 1,000. When Jesus returns, he will rule on the earth for 1,000 years, speaking of all the believers in history who died uh, before Jesus' second coming. Revelation 20 says, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Verse 5 said, the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended This is the first resurrection. So at the climax of the tribulation, Jesus will return from heaven. He'll be riding a white horse accompanied by the host of heaven, and he will end the war of Armageddon and bring peace to the world for a thousand years. The millennium will be an incredible time to be alive, amen? And we will look at it in two weeks, okay? So you see we're we're leading, everything's leading up to something else. And following this 1,000-year reign of Christ on the earth will come the final era, uh, or what is called the eternal state of our universe, the new creation. And at the end of Jesus' 1,000 years on earth, he's going to release Satan from his temporary imprisonment, and once more Satan will lead a rebellion, only this time it will be with the unsaved sons of men, and at that point, God will decree that our planet has run its course and replace it with the new creation. Revelation 21.1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And we're going to cover the new creation on the last week of this series. So now, let's look at the rapture of the church. So everybody, everybody with me. So understand, I, this is what I believe is going to happen. I believe it's going to be the rapture of the church, and I'm going to explain why here in a moment. That's going to take place. Then there's going to be seven years of tribulation. And then after that seven years, Jesus is going to come back. That's the second coming of Christ. He's going to come back, and he's going to rule for a thousand years, and there's going to be peace on earth. And then he's going to release Satan for another time, a short time period. We don't know. It doesn't tell us how long. And he's going to get to deceive as many as he can. And then he's going to come back. Jesus is going to come back, and they're going to create the new heavens and the new earth, and, we, and, that's, and that will be for eternity. So everybody with me so far? I know it's a lot to hear and understand, and we're going to talk about everything over the next uh, several weeks. And so stay with me if you can, 
And I believe it's, this is a good, good series. And we're going to talk about the rapture. One day, Jesus is going to burst forth from the clouds in glory. Amen? And so what will that be like for us? Well, there are two passages of Scripture that talk about this event. One is found in 1 Thessalonians 4. I read part of it to you. I want to read, I want to back up a little bit, go to verse 13 of our text, and I want to read this again. It says, brothers and sisters, that's us, (laughs) we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Talking about those that have died before he comes. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Isn't that glorious? God wants you to know about his return, amen? And the moment of his return. He doesn't want you to be uninformed. And so what will it be like? Understand, just prior to the rapture, as Christ is ascending from heaven for his church, the resurrection of the dead in Christ, that means those that have passed away, will occur. And this is not the same resurrection that is described in Revelation 20, verse 4, which is an event occurring after Christ returns to earth, destroys the forces of the Antichrist, and confines Satan to the bottomless pit. The resurrection in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, relates to those who turn to Christ and died for their faith in him during the tribulation. Now, at the same time, as the dead in Christ rise, followers of Christ who are alive on earth will be transformed, their bodies becoming imperishable and immortal, and this will happen in an instant. Both the resurrected Christians and those who are instantly transformed will be caught up together to meet Christ in the air they will be visibly united with christ taken to heaven and reunited with loved ones who have died knowing christ they will be removed from all suffering and distress from all persecution and oppression and from the entire realm of sin and death the rapture also rescues jesus's followers from the coming wrath the great tribulation amen i believe in a pre-trib rapture 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10 says, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. There it is in Scripture. The other passage of Scripture that talks about this event is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 through 58. And it says this, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Everybody say changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Say changed. 
Amen. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Hallelujah. Paul says that we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye, changed instantly. Think about it for just a moment. This is kind of some neat information here. There's about an inch distance between the front of your iris to the back of your retina. Light travels at 186,000 miles a second. That's fast, is it not? At that speed, it takes about a 64th of a nanosecond to travel one inch. That's how fast we will be changed. One minute, the way you see yourself now, the next, boom, a resurrected body. Hallelujah. One minute, sad. The next, our tears will be wiped away for good. One minute, in pain. The next, no more pain. When you read about the post-resurrection accounts of Jesus' body, he could manipulate his molecules to pass through walls. He could eat fish. He could travel over long distances instantaneously. That's what our resurrected bodies will be like. When Jesus returns, we'll get those bodies in a 64th of a nanosecond. This is going to be an amazing event, one like never before in history. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So when is this going to happen? (laughs) Well, there are three popular answers to this. One group of believers, which I am one of, believes this will happen in what is called the pre-tribulation rapture. We believe that Jesus will return at the beginning of the tribulation to take the saints out to heaven and spare us from this period of judgment and chaos why he judges the world. A second group of believers believe in the mid-tribulation rapture. This group believes that Christians will go through the relatively mild first three and a half years of the tribulation, but be taken out of the world when the Antichrist sets, sets himself up as Lord in the temple at the three and a half year point. So we will go through the first part of the tribulation, but be spared from the great tribulation when the wrath of God is poured out on the earth. That's the second group. Then there's a third group of believers, and they believe in the post-tribulation rapture. And this view believes we will be protected in the midst of God's judgment. Like I said, though, I believe that God will take us out of here before he pours out his judgment on the earth. And why do I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture? I read 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. This passage is the most direct and clear teaching on the rapture in the New Testament. It speaks only of believers living and dead. Nothing is said about the wicked seeing Christ at this time. Paul described Jesus as coming in the air. But nothing is said about his feet touching the earth as we are told in Zechariah 
14.4 when he said, On that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a great valley with half of the mountain moving north and half moving south. There are passages in the Bible which pertain to the rapture that describe the coming of the Lord for his people, and there are passages which refer to the revelation of Christ that describe the coming of the Lord with his saints. Colossians chapter 3 verse 4 says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This speaks of believers appearing with Christ at his coming. Jude chapter, Jude, well there's no chapter, Jude verse 14 says, Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about them. See the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones. This verse foresees the Lord's return with his people to execute the judgment referred to in many other passages relating to his public appearing. And since scripture does not contradict itself, it seems reasonable to conclude that the passages, passages describing Christ's coming for the saints and with the saints indicate two phases of his coming. So I believe that it is scripturally correct to assume that the intervening, the intervening period between the two is the time when the world will experience the great tribulation involving the reign of Antichrist and the outpouring of God's wrath on the wicked. Although God's people may endure severe trials before the Lord comes, the church will be raptured before the period called the great tribulation. Amen? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the passage following the one on the rapture of the church, Paul taught about the day of the Lord. He warned of the destruction it will bring to the wicked, and he was quick to assure Christians that those who abide in Christ will not be overtaken by it. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 4 says, But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. Still speaking of the day of the Lord, Paul wrote, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. It seems clear that he meant the deliverance of believers from the judgment of the day of the Lord, including the great tribulation. So Jesus might return just before the second half of the tribulation begins. That's the mid-trib position. Or he might return at the end of the tribulation. That's the post Trib position. I believe that Jesus will return before the tribulation. That is the pre trib position. That's a lot, amen? All Bible believing Christians agree that whatever we believe about the timing of the rapture is not a doctrine to divide us or disqualify anyone from getting to heaven, amen? Let me tell you something, church. Don't let this be something that causes division in the church. Amen? Amen. We have enough division on other matters. You hear too many stories of how the church gets divided on what the color of the carpet should be. Let's not make this an issue. Amen? Amen. We shouldn't make that an issue either. Is everybody with me? Everybody confused or everybody good? You understand what I'm talking about. Amen? Amen? This is something to be encouraged about. This is not something to be afraid of. As long as you are a believer, as long as you love the Lord, as long as you have given your heart to Jesus, you will make the rapture. Amen? 
All we have to do is confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that he rose from the dead. And the Bible says that we'll be saved. Amen? And all those that are saved and love the Lord, you will, you will make the rapture if you are here when the rapture takes place. So in closing, I want to take you back to the last verse of our text today. Verse 18. I've said this twice. I want to say it again. Therefore, encourage. You see that word? Encourage one another with these words. It is so important that we encourage each other. Amen? It's so important that we talk to each other, that we let each other know that Jesus is coming soon. And I don't see nothing wrong with walking around going, hey, Jesus is coming soon. Right? I don't see anything wrong with us encouraging one another and letting everybody know, hey, it won't be long. Jesus is coming soon. You know, I've been hearing this all my life. I was born in 1973. I remember walking through the halls of my junior high because somebody had predicted that the rapture is going to take place on this date September of something, 1987. You know, we're walking around going, when are we going to take off through this, you know? Guess what? It didn't happen. No one knows the day nor the hour. We do not know when he's coming. We don't, it could be in a, it could be in a moment. It could be in three hours from now. It could be in six days from now. It could be in three weeks from now. It could be in ten months from now. It could be in... 20 years from now, we do not know when he's coming. The fact is, we've got to be ready for when he does come. Amen? And not only do we need to be ready, but we need to encourage those that aren't in church, that aren't, say, look, I know what you've heard and what you may think is going on and what the world is telling you, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus is coming soon and you've got to be ready. Amen? You've got to be ready for when he comes. So whatever time Jesus returns, he's returning. And we need to be encouraged because this is the ultimate great moment where we will meet him face to face. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Listen to that. Let nothing, absolutely nothing, move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Keep serving the Lord because he's going to reward you when he comes. Amen? Jesus is coming back to claim us. He's coming back to change us. He's coming back to welcome us into an earthly kingdom under his rulership and nothing and no one can stop him. Amen? One last thing. In Revelation chapter 1, when Jesus saw the resurrected Jesus as he is now, he said, this is John said this, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. You see, in Jesus' first ministry on earth, we knew him as, as we knew Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was gentle and meek. But today, Jesus is the Lion of Judah. Amen. He is the conquering King. He is victorious. 
And he is awesome. He is mighty. He is magnificent. He is wonderful. And that is something that we can celebrate and rejoice in. Amen? We have a conquering king that is coming. Hallelujah. He was so magnificent that he took John's breath away. He fainted. He fell out in his presence. John could not even stand in his presence. That's the Jesus who is returning, and his return will be glorious. And every promise that he makes to you in Scripture will be as true during the tribulation as it was at the end of your birth. Amen? Jesus is coming soon. Amen? Jesus is coming soon. We have something great and wonderful to be looking forward to. We have something that we can be encouraged about. And we know that when he comes, that as long as we have made our peace with God and we have said, Lord, please forgive me of all my sins and everything that is not clean. And please come in and, and, and continue to do a work in me. And as long as we've had that relationship with our Savior, we will make the rapture when he comes. Amen? This is something to rejoice in. This is something to get excited about, amen? This is something to tell someone else about, amen? This is not something that we keep to ourselves. This is not something that we want to hoard. We want to give it away. We want to let everybody else know, hey, guess what? Jesus is coming soon. And he's going to take those that are ready to go. He's going to take those that are ready to go, amen? Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus, we come to you. Lord, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. You're our King of kings and Lord of lords. And we know someday soon you'll be returning. Someday soon you'll be returning. And we need to be ready. We need to be ready. When that trumpet sounds, we need to be ready. And so we need to come and we need to prepare our hearts to receive you in our lives. So Lord, I pray if there's anybody here today that's here or they're watching on on the internet. God, I pray that you would convict their hearts right now. That they turn their lives over to you. And they don't wait another minute. They don't wait another minute, but they are ready to go. Ready to go to be who you have called us to be, to do what you have called us to do. God, I pray if there's anybody here that does not know you, if there's anybody here that's living in sin, if there's anybody here that needs to repent, then God, I pray today is the day that they make sure, that they make sure that if they were to leave here, that they would, and the rapture occurred, that they would be able to go in that rapture. They cannot put it off any longer, but they need to surrender their life over to you. Church, listen, Scripture says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That means every sin forgiven, washed away as if it never happened. Today you recognize that you need his grace. You need his forgiveness. You need change. You cannot earn it. You do not deserve it, but it is freely given to you. And that is why you're here today. It's time to say yes. 
Today, by faith, give him your life. And if this is you, then I want you to say this prayer after me. If you're either at home, say this with me. If you're here in this service, say this with me. Let's all say this together. Say, dear Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. I confess that I need a Savior. Today, I give my heart to you. Come into my life and make me clean. I want to serve you. I give my life to you. I am no longer my own, but I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. If you said that prayer, I want you to be sure to let someone know. It doesn't matter if it's me, Bill, you can ask him. He'll help you. Anybody here, any of our our workers that are here, Anthony will help you. Any of us, just ask us. We'll help you walk through this with you. This is something that God wants. This is a journey. It's not, this is not something that's going to be quick. Now, when Jesus comes, it'll be quick. <laughs> but this journey, this, this Christian life, man, it's, it's, it's not just something that's a quick process. It's a marathon. And we want to help you in that journey if you're, at, if you're at home watching today, we want to help you in this journey. Contact us. Let us know. If you're here today, contact us. Let us know. Come see me after church. We believe this is so important. I believe this is the most important decision that you'll ever make in your life. So make sure that you are ready to go when Jesus comes. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for being here today. Man, we had a great turnout at breakfast. You guys, that was awesome. If you missed it, you missed some good food and good fellowship. And hanging out with me, you missed that. (laughs) But um, we've got lots of stuff coming up. I want to first say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We only have a few envelopes left. They're on the info center, right? There's a sign on the info center of the remaining envelopes for Speed the Light. If you have not... Uh, turn one in uh, those are due december 12th we want to get everything turned in so that we can send off uh before the they'd like us to get it sent off by the 15th so it's counted before the end of the year uh so if you could give that i want to say thank you we have already given to speed the light over two thousand dollars that's amazing yes and uh we are getting close to the 2500 mark so keep keep bringing in keep sending it in and so uh, if, you, if you would like to give, uh, and, and, and let me tell you this, if you go out there and there's an envelope that's not the amount that you want to give, I'm okay with that. Just mark it on the envelope, speed the light, and give it to us. If it's $10, whatever it is, we'll take anything that'll help us to provide those water wells over in Africa. And I believe it's so important for people to have clean water. We, we, we take this for granted, don't we? Because I can go buy 36 of these at any time, or 32, however many. It's a big bundle. I can go to Sam's and get 40 of them for like 250 and it's nothing, right? But they just want clean water. And so we're helping them to get clean water so that we're not buying them bottled water. We're buying them a well so they can go get water for everything, their livestock, their, their people. Their, they can have clean baths. You like having clean baths, right? I do. <laughs> but this is so important. If you can help with Speed of Light, it's appreciated. Uh, you can also give online to do that. Also, um, 
BGMC, uh, we have given, we're at the 2,000 mark plus. And so, yeah, so that's awesome too. Uh, so thank you so much for giving to BGMC as well. We'll give one more time here in a couple of Sundays. We'll have one more Buddy Barrel uh, turn in. And so uh, make plans for that. Also make plans to be involved in our upcoming Christmas chili cook-off. Anybody like chili? Anybody like making chili? Anybody like eating chili? Hallelujah. <laughs> Y'all can see I eat lots, so I... Uh, but anyway, we're going to have a chili cook-off. If you need any, uh, if you want to know how, what's... We don't know all the details yet. We're getting there. Uh, but you can, ask, you can ask David, and he can make it up as, as you ask him. And... Uh, because we don't really know every, all the details yet. We will have those details in the coming weeks. So uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good, a good event. And that's going to be our Christmas party as well. So we're going to have a chili cook-off. We're going to have, uh, we'll have some games. We'll have some prizes. We're going to have a photo booth set up that you can take selfie photos. And, uh, we're just, and, if, and who knows, if Kelly's got her, if she's got her camera, she might even take your picture for you. Uh, but anyway, uh, we're going to have just a great time. That's December 12th. Make plans uh, to be here uh, for that. And then also one more announcement. Tonight is youth at 6 o'clock. We have youth every uh, Sunday night at 6. And so youth will be tonight at 6. If you have any questions about it, you can see Duke. And no Wednesday night this Wednesday. Uh, I know a lot of you people cook. And get ready for Thursday. Some of you are saying, I don't cook, I just eat. That's all right. You can take a night to prepare yourself to indulge yourself on Thursday. But just remember, gluttony's a sin. Oh, no, don't say that, right? I'm <laughs> just teasing. I'm just teasing. I don't want to run Thanksgiving for nobody. Uh, but anyway, uh, y'all have a wonderful week. Uh, we're going to pray over the offering. If you, uh, if you, uh, when, you're, when we're dismissed, you can give in the offering at the back, and uh, William's back there with the, the offering bag. And be blessed this week. Amen? I love Thanksgiving, y'all. I think it gets overlooked too much. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, we, we, we get done with Halloween, all of a sudden Christmas starts. I like Thanksgiving. Now, don't get me wrong. I know I, I have to decorate the church, but if we don't get it decorated now, it won't ever get decorated, y'all. So we have to decorate it before Thanksgiving. That's just when we can do it. And so, but I know that sometimes Thanksgiving gets overlooked, but I love Thanksgiving. So I want you to do, do me a favor. Thursday when you get up, will you just tell the Lord thank you? Make it a point. Lord, thank you for my salvation. Lord, thank you for me, for, for me being here, for my health, for my life for my family whatever it is that you are most thankful for just just get up thursday morning and just say a prayer and say lord i want to thank you i want to thank you because i know some of you have had a rough year some of you've had a rough two years <laughs> last year wasn't great i understand we had a few little surprises but i know we're thankful for something right we're thankful for the fact that maybe god got us through that right God brought us through that. So Thursday morning when you wake up, just say a little prayer of thanks. And remember that we're not just, it's not just about eating turkey and dressing and all the fixings. That's part of it. That's, that's an important part. It's not just about football on Thursday. And I will be watching the Cowboys play. So, so. But, but it's about 
being thankful for who God is. Amen? God loves you. He cares for you. He wants the best for you. And so let's remember that Thursday morning we'll be thanking God for who, what he's done in us. Can we pray? Lord, we just thank you for this time that we have come here today to be in your presence. And I just ask that you would just bless each and every person that gives this morning. God, I pray that you pour out your blessings upon them. And God, help us to have a wonderful week, a wonderful week of joy, of family, of peace, of comfort, of joy, of, of everything, of thankfulness. God, I just pray that we would just remember what it's all about. And we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory. In Jesus, your most wonderful and awesome name, we give you praise. Amen. Y'all have a wonderful week. We'll see y'all next Sunday.